right, if you would, grab your Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And Hebrews chapter 5. Two places tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and Hebrews chapter 5. Pretty familiar, probably, on both accounts, but uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, we'll just grab the first couple of verses, and then we'll hop over to Hebrews. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 1, he says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Uh, look over Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse number 12. I believe it's also the Apostle Paul making this statement, for when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Uh, both of these passages make reference to the idea of teaching and learning. Uh, the idea of teaching somebody else, and then when they have learned, they're supposed to teach somebody else. And the time when you should be teachers, he references here, uh, you have one that need that one would teach you again. Uh, we, we've forgotten what we were supposed to have learned. Uh, and oftentimes you hear it over and over here that repetition is the key to learning. Uh, and by the way, uh, the more you repeat it, the easier it is for you to remember it. Uh, we do things, Pastor and I recall quite a few different verses uh, that we use repeatedly normally in our counseling. Uh, those are the verses we'll remember very readily. Uh, think, think just for a moment, by the way, uh, with the new Sunday school, you're getting uh, a, new, a new memory verse every week. Now, for the adults especially, uh, probably most of our teenagers, uh, those are, a lot of them are going to be review. But how many of you can quote 150 uh, scripture references right here, just off the top of your head. I'd be hard-pressed to do it. Uh, just, you know, it may take me a little while to actually come up with 150 different ones, right? Uh, but at the end of Sunday school, three years, new memory verse every week. Hey, guess what? You may learn 150 verses that you did not know before. So, uh, uh, and some of them you'll know, but some of them They'll be good refreshers because maybe you haven't used them in a long time. Uh, you ever get there where I knew that verse, and then you go to say that verse, and you don't quite get the verse, and right, we've been there, uh, those kind of things. And so sometimes we just, because we haven't used it, notice what he says here, right, we haven't been using it the way that we were supposed to use it, so we forget it. Uh, we don't have the recall on what we should know. Uh, how many times, you know, do we get asked questions and things that we know about, right, and things that we uh, remember and we think we know. And Brother Larry was, was working on uh, his lesson for Hope last week. He sent me a text message, 
asked me a question, and he goes, hey, is that the right order? And I said, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. And so then I had to double-check myself and make sure that he was right, and he was, he was right. Uh, and I was like, but I hadn't thought about it in so long, and I, I hadn't just put the pieces there and thought, is that the right order or is that backwards, and which way did we do it, and so on. And so, what are you saying? Uh, I'm saying sometimes we just forget things. Uh, and it's not that we're trying to forget about it, and it's not that necessarily we, we didn't try to learn it or that we've never learned it before. And so a lot of times what you hear even from the pulpit is a repetition. It's something that you've heard before that we get reminded of, and it's a course correction again. Right? You, you've, you know this thing, and this is the way that it's supposed to be, and at some point you kind of drifted because either you got into a routine of repetition yourself, and you got out of what was really the purpose of what you were doing, and you lost sight of the goal, and you lost sight of the purpose, or you just kind of, right, we just kind of faded off it, or we kind of were like, well, I've been doing that for a while, and we kind of slack a little bit, you know, and that's human nature. And here he is reminding uh, in 2 Timothy 2, he told him, commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And then he says here in Hebrews that we ought to be teaching and we ought to be learning. When you ought to be teachers, uh, don't let it be said that you need to be taught again before you can do it. Uh, that's the admonition. And so tonight is probably going to be a good reminder night, all right? This isn't going to be anything fancy or anything uh, that you probably have never heard. Uh, but if you were to go into Proverbs, and I am not going to run all the references in Proverbs about learning and teaching and wisdom and knowledge. Uh, overall consensus throughout the book of, uh, of Proverbs is that if you are learning and able to be teachable, then you're deemed a wise man, right? But we also understand that fools despise wisdom and instruction. Uh, they don't like to be told how to do things, and they certainly don't like to learn anything new. And so we're going we're gonna to remember those two pieces, right? We want to be wise. I don't know, I don't know anybody who really wants to be deemed a fool, right? Uh, we want to be wise, so we want to be teachable. We want to be able to learn some things, and maybe we ought to be reminded of some things that we had learned that we just have kind of let slip or maybe have forgotten or maybe just to be encouraged that, hey, yeah, we are doing it the right way. We are still going on the right course, and so that's what we'll do tonight. So, Father, I thank you for the night. I thank you for your goodness and for this book, Lord, to be able to open the pages tonight and be able to, to preach, Lord, and, and to be able to look at some things that you want us to learn and, Father, to do well. Father, we pray you would bless the night. Help me to say what you want said and uh, say it in the right way. Father, that Jesus Christ will be praised and honored and glorified. We thank you for all that you do for us. We thank you for those who have come out to pray tonight. And we pray that you get all the praise, the honor, and the glory this night in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen. Uh, go back to Luke chapter 11. Speaking of prayer, Luke chapter 11. I've thought about making this a full-fledged series on being taught because there's no way I'm covering everything on everything, all right? Uh, but here in Luke chapter 11, he says this, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. 
Uh, so one of the things that I see that the Lord wants us to learn and to be taught, teach us, he says, hey, teach us to pray. The disciples want to learn how to pray. Too many times uh, we get into a very specific pattern. Now, amazingly enough, right, he does what is commonly called the Lord's Prayer, which is really the disciples' prayer, because he tells them to pray like this. And he gives them this pattern, and it's not a prayer that uh, you're supposed to pray repeatedly. But amazingly enough, you and I, uh, I find myself doing it, and I don't like it. Uh, you say, what do you do? I get repetitious in the way that I say things in my prayer life. I, I do. And I think you do it. Uh, it's just our mannerisms, and we get comfortable that way. And that's, that's okay on a certain level, uh, right? We're, we're supposed to pray in Jesus' name. So I think ending your prayer in Jesus' name is not really, you know, that's something you ought to have in there, right? Um, but there's certain things that you and I do, and we just, they become what I would call lip service. We say it, and we say it with zero meaning. It is exactly what some folks get saved out of. It is the vain repetition of what they've had to deal with. And so the Lord, as He lays out this, this exacting uh, formula that He gives to the disciples, He is not telling them to pray these words. He tells them in verse, uh, when you pray, say. He says it in another place. He says, uh, pray after this manner. In Matthew, that's the way He says it. Pray after this manner. As in, hey, I'm going to give you this pattern. And you can find this pattern throughout Scripture. This is not a new pattern that Jesus gave. You go back to Solomon at the dedication of the temple, you'll find this pattern. Almost exactly. You may have a couple things shifted here and there, but this pattern is, is contained within, I mean, you go, to, you go to Nehemiah, you go to Ezra, you go to these guys, and they pray, and you know what they have? They have these elements contained within every prayer that they give. So what are they doing? They've already learned a pattern of prayer, and you know what the Lord just did? He said, hey, you want to learn how to pray? Pray like this. And by the way, it matches what's already happened before Jesus ever laid it out. Because they knew how to pray based upon the things that God has laid out already. And I don't have time to run to all those examples. It's obvious here what he wants them to do. Verse number two, he wants them to glorify the Lord and praise him. When you pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. God, you're holy and you're just and you're good. Give him some praise for who he is. Uh, he's God and he's God who deserves praise. And oftentimes we don't remember who he is the way that we ought to. Uh, we go right past that. <laughs> Lord, thank you for being good and let's, uh, I know you're going to answer me and so here we go. Let me ask for my stuff. We don't spend any time really giving him any glory because we get to the, I got to get to what I need. Don't you, don't you like it when all you ever get from someone is, hey, I need you for this. Isn't that great? You like that, don't you? And so your prayer life becomes, hey, God, I need this. It's my need list. It's my wants. It's my desires. And you don't thank him when he's answered 40 other prayers that week for you. And you didn't thank him for any of it. And you ought to praise him. And I may not get past this one, all right? I got three of them on this page, but 
it's prayer night, so I'm kind of I'm kind of hammering away a little, and uh, on purpose because I get frustrated with me. Uh, this is this is to me. Uh, I don't I don't thank him the way I'm supposed to thank him. I don't praise him the way I should praise him. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Uh, Lord, whatever I'm going to ask right here, whatever we're going to talk about, I want it your way. And whatever way that is, I'm okay with it. Uh, well, yeah, but he didn't. How many people get mad at God because he didn't? Well, if he's exactly who you said he is and he's holy, hallowed be thy name, he's a holy God, then how could he do you any wrong when he doesn't answer the way you want? Well, then you know that it's all about your wish list. It has nothing to do with the one you're coming to. Our prayer life is supposed to be all about the one we come to. Let us therefore come boldly onto the throne of grace. Why? Because of who he is. We have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly onto the throne. Why? Because of who he is. Because of the one we get to come to. He is an amazing God who can do anything we could ask, anything we could think, anything we could pile up. He could do it. He doesn't have to, but he could. And we come to him, and if you're not praising him and you don't want his will on the, on the subject, then why are you coming to him? Give us day by day our daily bread. Hey, could you ask God to just meet my needs? We go above and beyond. <laughs> we go way past what we need. Um, I'm working on something that'll end up being a very long series, probably, possibly, I don't know yet, because I'm not very far into it, and it definitely won't work tonight. And I'm looking into some things that Paul prayed for, and Paul asked people to pray for. What'd he focus on? What did he want? What did he look for when he's asking for prayer? Well, he goes, uh, his statement about his own life is that I, I have been abased and I've, I've had abundance. I've had everything in between and I was content with all of it. Well, why was he content with all of it? Because he got to the place where, Lord, can you remove this thorn in the flesh? And he asked him three times and the Lord said, what? No, my grace is sufficient for thee. And so you know what Paul said? Thy will be done. Okay, I'll take that. And then I will gladly glory in my infirmities. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. That it's all about Him. It's His glory. It's His praise. Because of what He has. And forgive us our sins. <laughs> How many times do you forget that part? For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Oh, wait. <laughs> You mean I have to have forgiveness in my own prayer between me and God and between the people who have wronged me? Well, I don't know. I mean, my prayers are my prayer. They're all about what I want. Why do I have to? Because you're coming before the righteous judge. He doesn't have to deal with you at all. You want to regard iniquity? Pastor's already quoting my verses ahead of me. Uh, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. He doesn't have to pay attention to you when you don't want to do right. What kind of a God and a father would he be if he just blessed you every time you did everything wrong anyways? 
We look at parents that do that and go, what are they doing? <laughs> Why are they rewarding disobedience? Why are they enabling their kid to continue to just completely melt down every time so that they get what they want? Do you think God's a bad father? Well, of course not. Well then, maybe you ought to deal with the things you ought to deal with. Before he can deal with you, you've got to deal with him. And it's between you and him, but the problem is that you have a problem with your brother, you have a problem with somebody else, and you won't get that taken care of. I don't want to keep talking about that because everybody's all unhappy already. All right. But that's the problem. I think sometimes, too, we, we let a lot of things get in the way that don't need to get in the way. We do more damage to our own prayer life than anybody else does. And it's, it's a case because we won't go ahead and fix the small relationship problems between you and somebody else, and you let it sit there. And you think, well, I'll just take care of it later. We preach in here, and you've heard it over and over again, and we go to 1 John chapter 1, and realize, right, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Well, as soon as you walk in darkness and do not the truth, you've stopped fellowshipping. So we tell you all the time, and you know it, and I know it, right? What do you do? Well, we confess our sins, and He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness, and He, boom, fellowships back together right away, as soon as you can. As soon as you recognize fellowship has been broken, you fix fellowship. Why do you let it fester with everybody else? Because letting it fester with everybody else means that you're still not in fellowship. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, protect me. In the, one of the greatest verses in the Bible is, but safety is of the Lord. That little phrase at the end of that verse, when you know he's got everything under control, safety is no longer an issue. Why? Because he's the one who does everything he wants to to make sure that you're protected. But he also makes it so you have a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now this is, I'm, I'm going to stick this in here. Too many people don't take their way of escape, and he only promised one. He gave you a, just one, way to escape that you may be able to bear it. And sometimes your escape is before you ever get into the situation you put yourself in. Because he told you to quit doing it. He told you to quit going there and quit hanging out with those people and quit going with those folks and quit getting into this situation over here and that situation over there and separate from some people and do this and stop doing that and start doing this so that you start replacing some of those things that are wicked and terrible that you keep getting yourself wrapped up in. And he goes, hey, could you deliver us from evil? Well, he would if you'd get out of your own way and stop going right where you're not supposed to go. He's trying to pull you out. He set you free from the bondage of the sin that you could be in, but you decide you're going to keep walking back over there like you're supposed to be chained to it still. And the Lord says, I already fixed that if you would just let me lead you. Because <laughs> he's not going to lead you into temptation. He will deliver you from evil. We could go to Psalm 23 and we could go all over, but the truth, you already know the verses. You already know who He is. You already know how amazing of a God you have. 
You already know that He is a wonderful God and He can answer your prayers and He can take care of the needs and He can go ahead and do what He needs to do when we give Him the opportunity to do it, but we don't come to give it to Him the right way. And He goes ahead and talks about you know, what you would do for the rest, of the, chat, the rest of that section there. And He talks about how He's a good Father. And I'm not going to cover the rest of the passage but he, he reminds them that he's a good father. Verse number 13, he ends it with, If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? That's an interesting phrase. To give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him. Maybe your prayer life is hindered because you don't ask him for that. He says Ephesians chapter 5, right? Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Then he talks about speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I am not one that says, well, you lose your salvation, you don't have. The Holy Spirit's in there. He's sealed you on the day of redemption. The idea of being filled with the Spirit is that the Spirit gets all the control. That's, that's the idea. The idea is that every other spirit is quenched, including yours, and that he has the control. He fills, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, I don't know that I've ever felt that. Well, is it because you've never asked for it? Question. i got to stop. I'm only getting through point one. Here we go. Question. Does the Lord's Holy Spirit, does He ever contradict the Word of God or the wishes of God? No, because He's God. So, when He tells you later, you know, you have all the verses, right? You're thinking of all the prayer verses right now, right? If you ask anything in my name, He'll give it. But it's according to His will. Well, how do you get on the same page with His will? How about you get filled with the Spirit? You'll be, you'll be able to tell what His will is. I think one of the major things we lack is that we don't want to be filled with the Spirit because if we do, we understand that our will is now resigned and we're going His way and we don't like giving up that kind of control. And part of your prayer life is hindered because you won't ask Him to fill you and take control and have all the control. And be able to get all the praise. Because then it's about your request. Instead of his request for you. I think there's some strange verses in the scriptures that point to some different things for what the Lord did. For instance, a hey, uh, Peter, Satan hath desired to have thee that he may sift thee as wheat. But I have prayed for thee. That thy faith fail not. Wow. I don't know if I want anybody else praying for me but Jesus. If he's praying for me, I think we've got everything under control. He's going, hey, Peter, I'm praying your faith doesn't fail. Could you pray that? Lord, help my faith not to fail. Fill me with your spirit. Help me not to fail. I wonder if our prayer life would be better if we learn and stay back with the basics. We get flowery with our prayers sometimes. We like to add a lot of words and make it sound real great. 
and he's not impressed. He's just, he's not impressed. I mean, you read the, you read the English of a King James Bible and you go, he's not impressed. <laughs> I don't use half of those words in my normal vocabulary, but thank you, uh, right? I heard somebody one time, they started praying and they used words like heretofore and I thought, since when have you ever used the word heretofore? I have met you. And the word heretofore has never come out of your mouth except when you pray to the Lord. You know what that means? That is not you praying. (laughs) That is you trying to act like something you're not. The Lord knows who you are. But that doesn't mean He doesn't deserve your praise and you come before Him with humility, but also with boldness. Understand who He is because of who He made you. You have boldness because you have access to the Father. That's the boldness you have. You have boldness because He made you a son, so you have right to come in and ask Him. But you're humble because it's His will instead of yours. It's His answer instead of your answer. It's His way as opposed to your way. And you may go, Lord, this would be great, I think. (laughs) But we all have our plans that we thought were going to be great, and we went, oh, thanks, Lord, for not giving me my plan. Because my plan would have been a train wreck. Lord, this plan is a whole lot better. Thank you for being so good and watching out for me. And you were mad at him a minute ago, right up till you figured out how, how amazing he was. Let's remember how amazing he is. Praise him for that and try to keep things in his will, his way, and the easiest way. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Help me to see what I need to see. We'll stop right there. Lord, we thank you for the night. We pray you'd bless. Thank you for just your goodness to us. Help us to get home safely tonight. And I pray you bring us back again. Be with Brother Knowles and his wife as they fly in for their safety as well as for everything that's going to be happening this weekend with the youth rally and, and all, the, all the things we have happened. And we pray you'd be praised, honored, and glorified that Jesus Christ would have all the preeminence and all the glory. And Father, we pray you'd help us tonight to just remember and think on some things that maybe we just have forgotten about. I thank you that you're good to us and you're merciful. And I pray you'd come back in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, good night. God bless. We'll see you hopefully Friday. Come on out Friday.